we're going to go to John chapter 10, verses 3 through 4, and then verse 11. If you want to stand, you can. Um, I know that's that's a tradition that we like to do, just showing honor to the Word of God. But today, in John chapter 10, Jesus is teaching this parable about the good shepherd. And a lot of us may have recognized this or have heard preaching or teaching about it or have read it and remember it. It's very memorable. But John chapter 10, verses three through four, and then we're gonna skip to verse 11, okay? So those two verses say, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all his sheep outside, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then if you skip down to verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Let's just pray and ask that the Lord would open his word and open our minds to understand it. Jesus, we pray that your word would go forth. Lord, we know we have a promise back in Isaiah where you said your word does not return void, but it accomplishes exactly what you want it to accomplish. So we believe that today that as your word is spoken, it will land on good ground in our hearts so that you can cultivate that seed so that it can grow fruit. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive this word. Teach us how to apply it today and teach us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, This tomato is very tempting. I was joking with pastor and said, be careful because I, I like, I actually like tomatoes now. Believe it or not, I did not like tomatoes in the past. Now I do. Sorry, I'm off on a tangent, but I was going to take a bite of that. No, I'm just kidding. But in John chapter 10, Jesus is teaching a parable about shepherds, sheep, that the sheep know his voice and he's the good shepherd and before that he even talks about how the sheep don't follow strangers and uh, the doorkeeper opens for Jesus. I, you know, I, I did some, some studying on this because, you know, we're like so far removed from our agricultural roots. You know, do we have any shepherds here right now? Probably not. Not by profession. Well, children, somebody said ch- children. Yeah, that feels like shepherding. More like wrangling, almost like cattle rustling that time. But in, in the Bible times, uh, Old Testament and New Testament, shepherds were uh, really important figures, actually, even though societal, society-wise, not so much. They weren't looked upon very well. But think about this. In their culture, um, they depended on sheep for a lot. The, you know, they shaved them for wool every year so they could have clothing. They you they. Uh, used them as sacrifices. Like there were special shepherds that just kept the Passover sheep. Like, so they depended on sheep a lot. And it's no accident that God uses this analogy. Even in the Old Testament, he describes the children of Israel as being his flock. And sometimes even the flock scattered without a shepherd. And Jesus uses that same language in the New Testament. So he's using this example. And what's really interesting is that in in Jewish understanding, there were two different kinds of shepherds that they describe. 
Um, they call them the bad shepherd and the good shepherd. And this was a rabbi teaching on this. I thought it was so interesting. They said that the bad shepherds would stand behind the sheep and kind of prod them to move and, and drive them in, in the direction they wanted them to go. But good shepherds stayed in front of their sheep and they led them by their voice. So they would call to the sheep, and, and this is true that sheep respond to uh, the individual that's with them all the time. Not necessarily, they don't respond to their name, but they respond to the voice, the sound of, of their shepherd's voice, which is really interesting uh, because there are a lot of herd animals that don't do that, but sheep do. They imprint upon their shepherd, one who spends time with them. So there was this really cool video of this kid who was a shepherd, and, and he would just yell. He would holler, he'd make this noise, and the sheep would just come running to him and kind of crowd around him until he moved. And as he would walk in the field, he would call out to them, and not quite single file, but they followed right behind that shepherd. And this Jewish rabbi that was teaching about this said that that is what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd stays in front of the sheep and invites them to follow. A good shepherd makes sure that the path is safe before inviting the, sh the sheep to come with. If the shepherd is standing behind and driving the sheep, there's no real uh, way to tell if that way is safe, if there are any dangers in front of the sheep until it's too late. But a good shepherd, and Jesus even says this, that he goes ahead of them. That's in John 10, 4. He goes ahead of them and calls to them. So this is what a, a good shepherd looks like. But there are, the thing that I want to share with you today are lessons from the shepherd. Because this idea goes all through Old Testament into New Testament. And it's very important that we understand this relationship because even if we read the Bible today, in that same parable, Jesus described Jews as being sheep, but then he also goes on to say that there are other sheep that I need to bring into the fold. And what he's talking about there are the Gentiles. So God is the shepherd of the whole world. There is no uh, you know, exclusion, this is open, this relationship, shepherd-sheep relationship is open to everyone who will respond to the gospel, open to everyone who responds to the calling of Jesus, open to everyone who, uh, as Peter preached uh, in the book of Acts, repent, baptize in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This invitation is for everybody. But what's really cool is, I, I, I guess in studying this, I had originally five lessons and probably 20 pages of notes and was like, that's a little too much for a Sunday. So I narrowed it down to three specific lessons that we can learn from this dynamic. The first lesson is that sheep are valuable to the shepherd. Sheep are valuable. I already alluded to it that Sheep in, in those times were, the culture depended on them. A lot of their clothes were made from the wool of the sheep. A lot of the, the things that they did centered around these animals that they could herd and shepherd and grow and use as sacrifice, use as food, things of that nature. So the sheep in those times were extremely valuable. Now, Jesus said in John 10, 11, he said, and I quote, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. If that doesn't show you the value that God places on his people, 
I don't know what else will. Because Jesus thought that humanity was worth saving. Jesus thought that his creation was worth stepping out of glory and into humanity and dying on a cross. Jesus even said that it's rare to find that kind of love among humans where somebody would lay down their life, but Jesus willfully laid down his life for his friends, for his sheep. Right here he says, I lay down my life for my sheep. That kind of love is so hard to understand for humans. That kind of, of love, especially from a being that is so far beyond us and so far, so much more powerful than us, so much more uh, loving and compassionate than us, so much more perfect than us, it's, it's hard for us to understand that a being like that could love broken humanity so much that he was willing to make a way for salvation. So in the Bible times, the sheep were valuable because of what they brought to the table. But in, spiritual, in the spirit today, we're not valuable because of what we bring to the table. We are valuable because our creator says we're valuable. Our value doesn't come from what we bring and what we have and our talents and the things that we're good at. That's not where our value comes from. It doesn't come from the name that we've made for ourselves, the legacy that we've made for ourselves. Not at all. Rather, our value comes straight from our creator because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image, in God's image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So our value does not come from anything that you can find on this earth. Our value comes from our eternal creator. He says we're valuable, therefore we're valuable. Think about the painting, The Starry Night. That's probably one of the most popular paintings. Even people who are not into art probably know this painting. Maybe not by name, but The Starry Night is, uh, is a painting of, of Paris, and it's really, um, uses really bright colors, really heavy contrast. It's very beautiful. I guarantee that you've seen it before. But the value of that painting, it was done in 1889, the value of the painting does not come from the fact that it's beautiful. The value of the painting comes from the legacy of the one who painted it. Vincent van Gogh is probably a name that you know, and he was an extremely prolific painter and artist. It's the fact that that painting was made by Vincent van Gogh that makes it valuable. Yes, it's beautiful, and he made a great creation, but it is the creator where the value comes from. And it's same for us. We are God's workmanship. If Paul writes in Ephesians that we are God's workmanship, that word workmanship can also be translated to masterpiece, that God is constantly working on us in this life so that one day when we get to him, we will be like him. We will be perfect like him, but today we're not. So he constantly makes us better. It's like the potter, uh, the clay in the hands of a potter. It's always being improved, always being worked on until one day it is made into something beautiful. And since we are God's workmanship, our value comes from the artist who is creating us, not from us ourselves. Zechariah 9.16, God describes his people in a beautiful way. Zechariah 9.16, God says this, uh, this is a prophecy. And the Lord, their God, will save them on that day as the flock of his people. So there we see the sheep flock again. 
But then he says, for they are like the precious stones of a crown sparkling in his, on his land. This is the way that God looks at his people. Like jewels set in a crown. This is the kind of value that God places on the sheep of his pasture, on his people. Even though many times we can't see it in ourselves. I mean, would you agree? There are times in our life where we uh, don't feel like we measure up, where we know that we don't measure up, honestly. If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we know we don't measure up. And sometimes it's easy to, to get hard on ourselves and say, well, I'm, I'm just not good enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not obeying God the way I should. And we start to get down on ourselves. And then we, if, if we're not careful, we can lose hope in those moments. But I want to tell you that God is, is telling his people right now that you are valuable because he says you're valuable. And you are valuable because you are staying in his hand so he can make something beautiful out of our lives. Jesus said in Luke 12, 6 through 7, are five sparrows not sold for two asaria? And yet not one of them has gone unnoticed in the sight of God. Birds. Birds don't go unnoticed in the sight of God. And then he says, but even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not fear. You are more valuable than a great number of sparrows. If God cares that much about sparrows that he knows every single one that is on the face of the planet. If, if he cares that much about a, a, a creature that's not a human, it, although it is his creation, so he cares, but if he cares that much about a bird, about sparrows, then he takes it a step further and says, the hairs on your head are all accounted for. He knows you so intimately that that he knows how many hairs are on your head. I would venture to say he knows how many hairs were ever on your head for those of us that are creeping in the back. But he knows that, so intimate, these details. I mean, think about this on our level, those of us that have kids, right? We don't know how many hairs are on our kids' heads, yet we love them, yet we care so deeply about them. God is taking it a step further and trying to expand our understanding that, yes, you know, we love our children, we love one another, and, and yes, God loves the sparrows, but he takes it a step further and says, I love you in a way that you couldn't even love anyone else on this earth. I love you in a way that you cannot understand. I love you in a way that is so intimate and deep that no human could even get close to that kind of love. How beautiful that God loves his sheep that much. And Jesus' love for humanity ultimately drives his desire to save humanity. We know that Peter said in, uh, I believe it was 2 Peter. This is not in my notes, and this is where it gets dangerous because I'm getting off my notes. But it was Peter who said that the Lord is not slack or he's not lazy or delaying in his promise as some men count delay. So what is being said here is that God doesn't delay in fulfilling his promises like humans do. We, many times we, we make promises that we can't fulfill. But then Peter says, it's not God's will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So the, the love that God has for humanity is not just for a select group of people, it is for all of humanity. 
And he invites all of humanity into his sheepfold. I have to change, I have to get off a super spiritual note for a second. Do you hear music? Okay, I do too. Is there something still playing? It's downstairs? Okay, cool. Just making sure I didn't do something wrong. But that's how much God loves his creation. Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14 is another uh, parable that Jesus is telling about the sheep and the shepherd. And what he says is, what do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go search for the one that's lost? And if it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your father who is in heaven for one of these little ones to perish that God loves his sheep. And God places value on his sheep. Even when we can't see it in ourselves, God places value on his sheep. So that's lesson number one. Sheep are valuable. And to God, all human souls are valuable and worth saving. Lesson number two. Lesson number two is that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. John 10, verses three through four, we've already read it, but Jesus explains that, that, the vo- the, that he goes before his sheep and that his sheep follow him and they can recognize his voice. You know, what this shows is a level of intimacy. It, it, it reveals that between God and his people, there's, there's a certain level of recognition that happens and can only happen while we spend time with the shepherd. Even in in that relationship, the shepherds stayed with the sheep day and night. They were with the sheep all the time. They traveled with the sheep. They camped with the sheep. They fed the sheep. They helped the sheep graze. They talked to the sheep. They had this level of intimacy with their, their flock. So much so that when the shepherd just yells, the sheep can follow. And what this is showing us is that we have, we, God desires to have that level of intimacy with his flock. He desires for us to spend time with him every day so that when he does speak, we can recognize his voice. You know, how do we do this? It's through our daily devotion. It's through prayer. It's through being in the word. It's through living a spiritual life. We just did a study on Galatians 5, and you remember what Paul said. If, you're gonna, if you say you live in the spirit, just live in the spirit. Dwell with our creator so that we have familiarity, so that we have intimacy, so that we have relationship with our shepherd. Because being able to hear the voice of the shepherd does many wonders for us. Number one is that it leads us into blessing. Number two, it makes sure that we're on a safe path. When we can hear the voice of our shepherd, he can lead us into abundant life. Galatians chapter 5, 24, Paul says this. If you were here last week, we hit this one. But Galatians 5.24, Paul says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what Paul is saying here, those who belong to Jesus Christ, who belong to the shepherd, there's, there's an expectation that 
we do have to separate ourselves from flesh. He even says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, past tense, that they've walked away from a fleshly life and into a spiritual life. That's how we learn to hear the voice of God, is by spending time in the Spirit. And the way to do that is to divorce ourselves from the flesh. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, and it doesn't mean that this life is going to be easy if we do that. But if we do that, that is our way of joining the flock of the shepherd. So when we spend so much time with Jesus, we learn to hear his voice. And what a privilege that is, that our God wants to talk to us. He doesn't have to, but he wants to. What a privilege it is that God wants to direct our path while we're here on this earth and not just save us and wait till eternity, but he wants to be involved in everything that we do. I want to tell you a quick story. I've been talking about my grandpa a lot the past couple of times I've been preaching. I've been talking to him a lot, and he's got great stories. As I've shared with you, he's, he's been living for God for a long time, and he was in the doctor's office getting some blood work done, getting a checkup done, and there was a, the nurse that was taking his blood pressure was there, and my grandpa said that he just felt like he needed to ask her how she's doing. That's what it's like hearing the voice of God. But he just felt like he needed to ask her, you know, it, it, how, how she's doing. And she opened up to him and said that she was having, uh, she was battling with a degenerative eye disease that was, uh, it was eventually going to take her sight away. And she had been just struggling with that. Like, how do you come to grasp with this realization that one day you'll be blind? And it's going to go, your vision's going to slowly deteriorate as you get older, making it harder and harder to just, just live a regular life, harder and harder to work, harder and harder to provide, to drive, to everything, right? That's a scary thought. And this woman said she had just been dealing with so much anxiety around this. And my grandpa, he's hilarious. He's from Arkansas, so he says really funny things. But what he said he said to the lady, well, I can introduce you to somebody who can help with that. Let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. That's what he said. And he started sharing with her how God can heal somebody, how Jesus can step in and make a difference in your life. And she said, well, can you take my prayer request to the church and have the church pray? My grandpa was gonna do that. And then he said he felt like he just needed to ask her, why don't we just pray now? So he did, and he said that the woman let him lay his hand on her head, and he just called on the name of Jesus right there in the exam room. This woman was supposed to be helping my grandfather with his health stuff, but God turns it around and, and introduces them two together. So while he's supposed to be getting help, Jesus is now helping this other woman. So he lays his hand on her head and just says, in Jesus' name, heal this woman. I know you can. I've seen it in my body. This is what my grandpa is saying. I've seen you do it for me, so I pray that you would do it for this woman. And the spirit of God just came in that exam room. I don't know if she was healed. My grandpa doesn't know, but he said that he felt the Holy Ghost. 
and he felt that woman. She responded with tears in her eyes, and she said she felt the Holy Ghost. So it was just a beautiful moment. But what that shows me is that when you spend time with Jesus, you can learn to hear his voice in moments when people are in need. And it's not always this big booming voice in your ear. Has anybody heard that? Okay. It's not always this big booming voice. And the way my grandpa described it, he said he felt like he needed to do this. That's what the still small voice of our shepherd is like. A lot of times it's it's feeling. A lot of times it's it's a thought. It's something that just comes in and we know that it's foreign. It didn't generate with us, but it's something that, is, uh, that just comes into our heart, that comes into our mind. And if we are attuned to our shepherd, we can learn to listen for those still small moments when he just says, why don't you just pray for that person? Why don't you just ask them if they want a Bible study? Why don't you just ask them if they're okay? But that's what it's like hearing the voice of the shepherd. And remember, the good shepherd goes before his sheep. So what's amazing about this is Jesus was already in that room and he was speaking to my grandfather, drawing him closer, saying, hey, you need to go a little farther. You need to talk to this woman. You need to pray with this woman. You need to minister to this woman. But Jesus was already there and he had already won the victory. He was just calling out for us to follow him, calling out for my grandpa to respond So just like I mentioned, I mean, my grandpa didn't hear an audible voice, but he heard the voice of God, if that makes any sense. He didn't hear with his ears, but he heard God's voice. The third lesson, and this is the final one, because I've probably been going too long. I don't even know what time I came up here. Y'all know I preach too long. Pastor, just give me a sign. I need to wrap it up. Psalm 23 This is a very popular scripture, and I don't have time to go into all of it because the whole thing is about a shepherd and a sheep, all of it. And there's a really cool study that you can do and just dive into every aspect of Psalm chapter 23. But we're gonna take a look at this last lesson that the shepherd provides and protects his sheep, provides for and protects his sheep. Psalm 23, verses one through six, I'm gonna read this one real quick. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed My head with oil, my cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life. My dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. Green pastures and still waters were very important to sheep. They still are, actually. Sheep have these weird quirks about them, which is probably true about all of us. (laughs) Sheep have these weird quirks about them. If, If the sheep didn't eat a good enough quality of grass. It would be malnourished. You could say that they were kind of picky, little picky eaters, but if they didn't eat good grass, they would be malnourished. 
And they had this other quirk that they, sheep don't like fast-moving water. A lot of stuff scares sheep. And fast-moving water is, is one of those things. So what the psalmist is saying, and remember, this is coming from David, who is a tenured shepherd. I mean, he, he, was, he was a shepherd as a child, even when he fought Goliath. He was a shepherd at that time. So a lot of these shepherd sheep analogies show up in Psalms because David is writing from a place that he understands. So what he's getting at here is that the Lord being the shepherd provides everything that the sheep needs. He provides good pastures, green pastures, good food, and the right kind of water. This is really interesting to me because Jesus describes himself in very specific ways. In John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world also is my flesh. Jesus being the nourishment that we need. Jesus being the bread of life that if we eat from it, we have living or we have life forever, eternal life. So Jesus is our nourishment. But taking it a step further, Jesus also says in John 4, verses 13 through 14, when he's talking to the woman at the well, he says, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. So the water in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. So in both ways, Jesus describes himself as food and drink for our soul, that he is the bread of life and he is the living water that if a human being drinks from, they will be nourished in their spirit. They will be nourished in the deep places of the heart that this world can't help with and have life forevermore, have eternal life. So just as David was saying that God being the shepherd provides good food and good water for the sheep of his flock, Jesus is further establishing that he is the nourishment that his flock needs in order to live a good and fulfilling life and to be in eternity forever with Jesus. God wants to be our provider. Did you know that? God wants to be our provider. You look at the children of Israel, all the things that they faced in the wilderness, and what God was setting them up for was to look to him to be their provider. But then Luke chapter 12, verse 29 through 32 also records this, and do not seek what, you're, what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying, for all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek. And your father knows that you need these things, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your father has chosen to give you the kingdom. As Jesus addresses this crowd, he begins to share with them his heart and his desire towards his people to provide everything they need. He even says that God takes care of the ravens, the flowers, and the grass. If God is that meticulous to take care of those things that are not alive and have a soul like us, how much more meticulous is he in providing for our needs? How much more in-depth does he go to make sure we have everything we need? What a great God that we serve. 
What Jesus is saying is that if we, if we seek his kingdom, in other words, if we're following the shepherd, we will have our basic needs met. We will have all of the, the food, the clothing, the, the drink, whatever that we need. But more importantly, we will have the spiritual provision required to enter into eternity with him. So as Psalm 23 says, as the sheep follow the shepherd, the shepherd makes sure that their needs were taken care of. He made sure that they lied down in green pastures and they were beside still waters. Psalm 23 also includes language about protection. Even when we walk through frightening moments in our life, David describes that as, as the valley of the shadow of death. Even when we're walking through dark moments, we don't have to be afraid. We can have peace, like what Brother Evan talked about. We can have peace in those moments. Why? Because his rod and his staff comfort me. That's what David said. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You've probably heard teaching on this before, but the staff and the rod were used to protect and guide a sheep flock. The staff was guiding the sheep as needed. If the shepherd turned around and saw some sheep going astray, tap them on the side and get them back in line. Man, Jesus does that to us sometimes. <laughs> but the rod was a stick with a knob on the end. And it was used to fight off dangerous animals. Sometimes even, I saw this cool picture. Sometimes they would put nails in the end of that rod to make it even more uh, potent against dangerous animals. But that's why David said, your rod and your staff comfort me because your rod keeps me on the path or your staff keeps me on the path and your rod protects me from the enemy. This is a beautiful picture of a relationship between God and his sheep. And David even shows us what this looks like in practice. In 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36, David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and took a sheep from the flock. I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I love his confidence since he has defied the armies of the living God. But what, what I wanna focus on here is that David lived what he wrote. David was a shepherd to his sheep. He understood what it took to protect and provide for his sheep. So when he's writing Psalm 23, I imagine that he has in mind this time that he explained to Saul when he was leading his sheep and the bear and the lion came out after his sheep and he took them down and he protected his sheep. He went after his sheep. So this is an example of what a shepherd is willing to do. David was willing to lay his life down for his sheep when he went after those dangerous animals. And remember that Jesus said the same thing, that I laid down my life for my sheep. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, I want you to understand this, through the sacrifice of Jesus, he broke the back of sin in his people's life. Through his death, he escorted in an era of victory for his people. 
Through his death, burial, and resurrection, everyone in his flock has the power to overcome because he overcame. It's not from our power. It's because he overcame. His death is the greatest defense that we could ever have. And his resurrection is the greatest shield that we could ever have because his blood covers us and his spirit is the armor of God. That he clothes us in all of the protection that we need while we're here on this earth. So when the enemy does come to attack his people, and we know that happens, when the enemy does come against his people, he raises a defense against the enemy. His rod and his staff still comfort us today. Let's all stand. So in these three lessons, there's a lot more. There's a lot more depth when it comes to shepherd and sheep relationship, and I only have time to give you these three. First, we learn that the shepherd values his sheep, that they are like jewels set in a crown. God loves you. God cares about you. God desires to see good things in you. Ultimately, God desires to have you in heaven with him forever. So our value comes from our creator, not from this earth. So it doesn't matter if somebody tells you or if we tell ourselves, we're not good enough, we're not this, we're not that, we're too bad, we're too this, we're too that. It does not matter. When we look to Jesus, he declares value on us. The second thing is that as sheep, we can learn to hear God's voice, even that still small voice. But what's beautiful about that is that God does desire to guide our path. We talked about the, the staff a little bit. God desires to direct our path, and the way that he does that is that he calls to us. So we have to be ready to hear and listen to his voice. And the last thing is that God desires to be our protector and provider. Yes, like we can do a lot to provide for ourselves. And we, yes, we can do a lot here on this earth. But ultimately, God's provision goes far beyond anything that we could ever provide for ourselves. It goes far beyond any salary we could ever have. It goes far beyond anything we could do for our health. It goes far beyond because God supersedes all of that. He is supernatural. That's what that means is that he is so far above the natural order of this world. God is supernatural, and he desires to provide for us and to protect us. When the enemy comes in like a flood, what does the scripture say? He raises up a standard. He raises up a banner, a rallying point for where his people can gather together and, and be in a, a defense, and he can cover his people. The psalmist David said multiple times throughout the psalms that God is our buckler in defense. He's our shield. He's the one who protects us. Because spiritually, we can't protect ourselves. We need the armor of God. We need God to clothe us and to protect us every day. But when we do all of this, the ultimate, the ultimate meaning behind this is that we can have a beautiful relationship with our creator. We can have a beautiful relationship with the one who desires to save us. We can have a beautiful relationship for the one, with the one who paid the price so that we can even have a relationship with him in the first place. How beautiful is it to be the sheep of God's pasture? How beautiful is it to be a, of the flock of God? 
the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who leads his sheep, the one who cares for his sheep, the one who nourishes his sheep. As people, we all follow something. And I hope that today you have decided to follow the good shepherd. Let's all lift our hands and just invite the presence of God. Let's take a moment to respond to the word. If you wanna come up front, you can and pray. Find a place to pray on your own. If you wanna sit in your seat, that's fine, whatever. But let's just dedicate our life in this moment to the good shepherd today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this beautiful parable that we could study together. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you paid on the cross so that we could have eternal life and so that we could have abundant life, abundant life. You even said that that you came to give life and life more abundantly. So Jesus, I pray that we would all make the decision to be sheep in your pasture. We would all make the decision to follow you daily, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, not just on special occasions, but we will follow you daily so we can learn to hear your voice, so that we can experience your love in a beautiful way, so that we can experience your provision and your protection. And so we can just be with you in intimacy, God. Because you give us value. We don't create it in ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to do that. But Jesus, you say that we're valuable because you created us and you care for your creation, Jesus. We love you so much, God. you 